0: About your summer ahead. As you think about your summer ahead, what's going to keep you Christian? As you think about your job in the future, what's going to keep you Christian? Now I remember speaking to people in previous years and they dread the summer. Now, now don't get me wrong, they enjoy going to see family and friends and, doing, and spending time with school friends, but they worry about their Christian life over the summer. Now their families are not Christian. Their school friends are not Christian. And in fact, their lives before they came to uni weren't particularly Christian with those people. And when we talk, and they talk about the summer and what's ahead of them, it turns out that actually their Christianity is based on their friends here at uni. Now, of course, Christian friends are really important. We need strong Christian friends. And yet, if their faith they realise was on their friends... And so when they went home for the summer, they knew they were going to struggle. Now I met another Christian whose godliness was only maintained by being around Christians. And so when she went to study in Australia, she was all at sea. Now she was getting into inappropriate relationships, she was uh, drinking and living a life really that was the same as everyone else around her. Not to all intents and purposes, she was not a Christian in that place. In the fact, there was nothing which would have distinguished her from those around her. She was just as pagan as anyone else. No, or I think of uni friends who I went to uni with who were strong Christians involved in the Christian union, evangelising their friends and they'd come from a background where the, the gospel wasn't preached and that was the background they were never going to go back to and yet when they've left uni, they seem to have drifted back and the gospels, well, I don't know what it is to them now I don't know the reasons why that happened. But how are you going to stay Christian over the summer and and beyond? Others I've known in Sydney, eh, strong Christian men, but they desire to have a relationship and to have a wife over everything else. And so they left the church and they found the, the wife which they wanted and yet, Christianly, they're nowhere you see, they, I know of others who the struggle and the desire to be godly is just too much and they just want to give in now let me ask you what will life be like for you as a Christian over the summer <coughs> now, will it stagnate at home as you wait for next year to begin and we've heard of the, the good things that happen at you and the way you grow but is your Christian life going to stagnate until it begins again it, will it, it fester as you wait for Christian union to start again or will it be sustained just from some sense of spiritual high to spiritual high as you go from camp to camp to conference to conference in the, the intervening weeks just characterised by a deep depression now how are you going to live as a Christian over the summer how are you going to keep going as a Christian in many ways it's a, it's a, this, these two verses are about the Christian life it's so what I'm saying. I'm applying it to the summer, but it'll be applying to the whole of your life. You see, there's something we need to know, which verses six and seven tell us. In this summary statement of the book, it tells us what the Christian life is like, and that's why Paul wrote the letter. And the key to it is in the second half of verse six. There, continue to live in Him. Continue to live in Jesus or literally you could say walk in him. Walk in him, walk in Jesus. And so this morning I want to encourage you to keep walking in Jesus in the way you received him, rooted, built, established and thankful. Let me say again. I want you this morning to be encouraged to keep walking in Jesus. In the way that you received him, rooted, built, established and thankful. And so walk in him in the way that you received him. You see how verse 6 begins, it says, So then, or many other translations might say, therefore. You see Paul at this point Paul is looking back to what's gone before. So therefore in, in, in light of what we said, continue in him. He's creating that link with what we've seen up until this point in the letter. So let me uh, summarise what we've seen. You remember in verses 1 to 14 we saw Paul's prayer for the Colossians. He was thankful that God was working in the lives of these Colossians who had come to understand the truth. He was thankful that the gospel truth had come to the Colossians. Thankful that the gospel that was bearing fruit and growing all over the world was in their midst. And so, from his thankfulness to what God, for what God was doing, he prayed. And he prayed that the gospel would advance in their lives even more. Do so you remember verse 9? He prays that they would be filled with a knowledge of his will. Understand what God's purpose and will in the world is, and that they would understand that in their lives, and it would shape their lives, and would live a life which is worthy of bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, being strengthened and joyfully giving thanks. And as he moved into the second part in verses fifteen to twenty three, we saw that he showed us why we can give thanks to God for what God has done for us. No, he showed us Jesus in all his (coughs) sovereign glory. Jesus sovereign over creation and over reconciliation. Everything was made for Jesus and everything was restored by Jesus. And these Colossian believers were incorporated into that. We have been incorporated into that. Us who were hostile in mind but now reconciled and looking forward to be presented blameless and holy. It's an astonishing thing that happened to these believers what's happened to us. And then last week we saw in the third part that Paul was a servant of for them, a servant of the gospel, a servant of this Jesus. And his labours were for other Christians, for, Christians to, for people to become Christians and then for Christians to be established, so they wouldn't be moved in Jesus. He was a servant of the gospel and of the church, that's what he did. He worked for Christians to be established. John Woodhouse summarises the introduction to this letter like this. He says the stunning introduction to Paul's letter has shown what God is doing in the whole world by the gospel message because of what he has done for all creation in Christ by his death and the surprising way in which he is doing it through servants of the gospel like Paul. The conclusion he draws therefore that we have in verse 6 it's the call to live the Christian light in light of these momentous realities. And you see what he says in verse 6? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. It's as you have received the gospel that you continue. And when he says as you received the gospel there, he's talking of a body of teaching, something that's passed down, a tradition if you like not in the tradition that we think of it as a cold eh, kind of something that's just got no meaning in life in it but a tradition in which the, the, the gospel has been eh, kept and shown to us in this case it's the teaching about Christ the teaching that Christ passed to the apostles which the apostles taught and which we've seen been taught to the Colossians and the, the gospel which the, they have written down for us you see the gospel was taught by Christ to the apostles and Paul, one of the apostles was taught Epaphras and Epaphras has then taken that gospel and taught it faithfully to these Colossian believers and if you think about the way that has come down to us through all these centuries it's quite staggering this teaching has come to us this apostolic teaching which we have now in the Bible what we have come to believe the, the truth from the Bible we are to continue to believe and to walk in that and look what they came to be to believe just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord you see the teaching is focused on Jesus and in particular that Jesus is Lord <coughs> that's the point in verses 15 to 20 Jesus is the supreme sovereign in creation and reconciliation he's the king he's sovereign I wonder if you, as you watch the, the opening ceremony at the, of the Olympics, I know it's really boring, but you probably will watch it just because it's here in London. And, and you, know, you, you watch all the teams streaming in. You, know, you see the, the, the teams from America, Australia, Azerbaijan, and Austria and Argentina and they walk in and you're thinking, is Jesus Lord of those nations? Well, the answer is yes. Now you watch Germany and Ghana and Great Britain and Georgia, it took me a lot to try and find these make them all kind of the same now you see those people walk in and you think is Jesus Lord of those nations the answer is yes but the staggering thing is is that we have come to accept this Jesus who is Lord of everything as our Lord and as we have received him as our Lord we are seeking now to submit to him in every aspect of him just as we have received him as Lord continue to walk in him And we seek now to put Jesus first. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the one that we try to shape our lives by. Seeking to do what he wants, what he desires. We seek to live every moment in him. To walk in him. In every situation to behave with Jesus as Lord. Everything that you say, everything that you do, everywhere you go, shaped by this Lord. As one song puts it, It says, O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme. Conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain that resist your holy war. You have loved and purchased me. Make me yours forevermore. You see, as we seek to make Jesus Lord, that's what we're hoping for. That's what we want. That's what we desire, that Jesus would be supreme in our lives. And so as you go home, As you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. Make him Lord in every aspect of your life. Well, as we walk in him, as we continue in him, Paul describes it in four ways, what that will look like. So walk in Christ Christ Jesus as Lord in the way that you received him, rooted, built, established, and Thankful. You see, for you, Christian, to walk in him will mean those four things, being rooted, built, established, and thankful. will walk in him, being rooted. The, the picture there is of a tree with strong roots which go down into the ground. And the ground into which we are to sink our roots as Christian people is Christ. You see, it's rooted and built up in him in him. Christ is the fertile soil into which we should be planted. And so don't move off into other soils. Now there may be things which seem attractive, other ways of life, other worldly advice on how to live. Don't listen to it. Sink your roots into Christ and let that strength that you have coming from those roots be the thing which you're rooted in. You see the comprehensiveness of what Paul is wanting. Everything comes from Christ. It all comes from Christ. That's the place you get it from. You're utterly dependent on Christ. <coughs> As a plant is dependent on the soil in which it is planted, so we are dependent on Christ, the soil into whom we should be rooted. So walk in Him, rooted, <coughs> but also built in Him built up in him the picture there is one of growth upwards so just as you put down growth into the ground then you grow up as well we are to move forward as Christians progress as Christians but you see that the building, the growth, the progression is in Christ again it's not outside of him we're not growing as people we're not growing as anybody else in society might grow we are growing in him it's very particular don't move away from Christ so as this summer comes and as you go home don't move away from Christ now, I was speaking to people earlier in the year and they were having conversations with others and, and deeply troubling to them it was because these people were saying you're missing out you need a deeper experience you need a different experience and we can guide you into a deeper experience of Christ <coughs> sorry, a deeper experience of God and yet it wasn't focused on Christ it was something else You see, that's not the apostolic gospel. We are built in Christ. So grow, but in Christ. That's where the growth is to come from. And it's through encouraging others and teaching this gospel that we've received, this biblical gospel. We grow in that, and it's in Christ then that we grow. Well, Paul then says, to be strengthened in your faith as you were taught, or established. So walk in him, rooted and built up, and established in the faith as you were taught, or strengthened in the faith that you were taught. Now, I think the, the idea here is similar to the idea before, but I think it, the focus is on being convinced of it. Now, we, we work and we grow becoming convinced of what we know already. In some ways, you could think about it like if I buy a plant for my garden. When I first plant it, I need to kind of look after it eh, quite well. It doesn't really happen very often, but that's the idea. You you have to kind of look after the plant, Um, and then over time, the plant becomes established. Its, Its roots get stronger, the growth get bigger, and it's 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 more solid in what's what's there. I think that's the picture. You see, so we become more and more convinced of the things which we've learned. We deepen our trust in those things, in the gospel. You see, we're to become mature as Christians, strong as Christians, established in the gospel. But yet again, make sure it's the gospel that we're established in, in him, in the faith, as you were taught. We become established in the truths of the gospel. Now, William William still um, was a, a pastor in Aberdeen, um, a, a churchman. I, I always remember going to his church because when I when I went, he was in his 80s, I think, and when he couldn't really walk around the congregation, so he wanted to he wanted to speak to people that were new though. But he kind of sat on this big throne at the front and then pointed at you and he like this, and he felt terrified as he walked <laughs> up. He, he didn't want to be terrifying when he when he did that, um, but he was quite a formidable kind of character. No, but he, he wrote a book on, on pastoral ministry, and this is one of the things that he says in it. One of his great sorrows was that people attached themselves to him rather than to Christ and the gospel. This is what he says. They thought thought I was stronger than they. They clung to me in in the hope that by climbing onto my back they could become more than it was in them to be and therefore in God's will for them to be. And in the end he says that they, they were broken as Christians because they weren't holding on to Christ. They were holding on to someone else. They weren't rooted in Christ. They weren't built in Christ. They weren't established in Christ. You see, I wonder, as you think about to your, over your year, what is it that you're rooted in? Is it in the gospel or is it your friends here at Fullwood good friends, strong friends, Christian friends good things to have but are you rooted in them that they are the source of your Christian life because those things will fail or when you go home over the summer they're not there or when you go into a job they're not there you see it's in Christ that we're to be rooted established and built and built you see, over this summer understand the gospel more and more deepen your roots in that and if you think, actually I'm not really sure what the gospel is then read the bible read a book which helps to explain the bible you know, a fresh start would be a great book we've got some of those at church or <coughs> no one tell the gospel or Christianity Explore books which will explain to you what the gospel actually is what this gospel as was taught actually is So if if that's what you feel like come and speak to me I'll get you one of those books tonight but the fourth thing that Paul says as you walk in him you'll be characterised by is there at the end of verse 7 and overflowing with thankfulness overflowing with thankfulness often as people teach this passage it seems to me that they miss this bit out overflowing with thankfulness Christians who are walking in him or in Christ overflow with thankfulness remember that was one of the reasons why we were doing this whole series because I realised in myself that thankfulness wasn't something that described me I wasn't overflowing with thankfulness thankfulness for the great benefits we have received in the gospel from Christ for the hope which we have Thankfulness for the little things that come our way, which come from God. Thankful because we are redeemed, because we are reconciled, that we are forgiven, that we are in relationship with the one who made us and the one who loved us. (coughs) Overflowing with thankfulness. I I, I went to a a talk by Steve Timmons, who's one of the the leaders at Crowded House in Sheffield recently. And and he told of a time when he had a, a great depression. There was a time when things weren't going well in the crowded house of church that he planted and one of his really close friends whom he relied on said some harsh things and, and, and left the church. And he said he descended into a great depression. And he said one day when he managed to get himself out of bed and went for a walk with his wife he said on that walk his wife turned to him and she rebuked her husband and said you are not thankful at all the gospel says that we should be thankful and he said that was the turning point in his depression he, she, she was right the gospel means that we should be overflowing with thankfulness when we really understand it when we really get to grips with it it draws thankfulness from us and it's more than just feeling grateful to God you no, like I'm grateful when my children I actually do something that I ask them to do. This is an overflowing thankfulness. You see, we don't. We've got to meditate on the truths of the gospel, think on them, root ourselves in them, build ourselves in them, become established in them. You see, I think a lot of the time though, isn't it? If you're like me, we move from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. We never actually have time. To set and to mull and to think and to ponder the great things that the gospel is like. I'm reading the, the biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer at the moment. Uh, Bonhoeffer, who would eventually be um, executed by the Nazis. Uh, it's interesting. I'm reading this biography. And I know what the end is. I know he's going to be kind of executed by the Nazis. But I'm all the way along, maybe maybe he won't be executed. It'll be quite a nice, but I know it's not going to happen like that. Um, but you see one of the things that Bonhoeffer did and what he taught uh, people who were going to church ministry to do was, was that before anything else happened in the day before he spoke to anybody else he would read the Bible and they would meditate on a, on a verse or a passage of scripture and they would do that on the same passage all week they would meditate on it, mull it over think about how it's going to apply to their lives and what, all the different uh, ways in which that will happen and they prayed, they pondered and they prayed you see we have a devotional life which I think very few people actually have rooted in the gospel you see over summer what's your devotional life going to be like as you ponder Christ as you seek to deepen yourself in Christ you see over the summer ponder Christ be rooted in Christ built in Christ established in Christ overflowing with thankfulness well we're going to spend uh, some time we're going to sing again and then we're going to pray and pray particularly for um, each other that over the summer what we be characterising us would be that we are walking in Christ so let's um, stand and we're going to pray and we're going to sing sorry and the, the, then we'll pray in our groups and find some other things that we can be praying for each other Oh, <sighs> my